seems cold and bleak and you just can't take it anymore. Here it comes, that glimmer of hope, a light shines through the dark. It's a hopeless show, with Aaron and Rogan world. It's a hopeless show, with Aaron and Rogan world. All right. Welcome to episode 24, which is someone's number in sports. I don't know who. Um, Oh, I know this. Welcome to episode 24 in honor of Kiefer Sutherland and his show, 24. Which is which is an all time show, but also let's not forget the Black Mamba. So that two four. Oh duh, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's 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 both Kiefer and Kobe uh, get big shout outs today. The two Ks. We're not going to yeah. add a third. There's only two that are worth knowing about. Um, so t- this episode is going to be interesting because we're going to touch a little bit on the trickle down effect of hopelessness, hopelessness in today's society. So not just the biggest things you see that are hopeless, but also some of the trickle downs and why people might be feeling hopeless about stuff and how we can try to bring hope to those things as well. And even share some personal stories along the way. Um, yeah. And we'll be covering topics, everything from 21 pilots to dodgeball and, uh, just buckle up. And so here's some news from the quarantine. News from the quarantine. Some good news, especially for you, Aaron. Twice. Yeah. So we, well, had, a, we had a fantasy football draft this past weekend where, um, you know, five couples, each couple gets their own team. It's a 10-team league. Um, you know, we're all competing um, for that coveted trophy in fantasy football. Um, last year, I came in last place. I think Aaron was second to last. And each of our partners um, also finished uh, in the basement with us. Um, but I guess it's a new dawn, a new day. And Aaron, why don't you tell people about how you did? Yeah, I always bring an invisible partner, a make-believe partner, because I, uh, I'm i not fortunate to have anyone who likes me. So this year, my invisible partner is Kim. So... I'm going to just say the draft was insane. It was so fast. I knew nothing personally. I knew absolutely nothing about uh, I was very social distanced from Rohit asking him, hey, was this a good pick? Hey, was this a good pick? So after it was all said and done, we did our draft. We maybe had a few cocktails. We were you know, swimming in the, the hope of the new season, the hope of a brighter t- tomorrow. And then at, the, at Yahoo, they give you your grade, which is how well did you do it? A letter grade, like like you're back in school. And I'm very used to getting like those grades to, the, to them not being good in school. So in Yahoo, I've gotten used to them being very bad with fantasy football. But let's discuss because Rohit, you know, you, you were a little more, I think, prepared. Uh, what, what what was your what grade did Yahoo give you? You know their artificial intelligence uh, determined I had a B plus team, which that, is probably just in line with what I got in school. <laughs> so you're you're just that B plus kind of guy. Yeah, I'm just 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 above average. Um, that's a good grade though. Congrats. Thank you. And how did you do, Aaron? 
Well, I was I was wondering if you'd ask. Um, so for the very first time ever, I've I've usually get around a C. I think is my my average, um, and it showed up. After actually, I, I believe I asked Rohit to analyze my team, and he, uh, I guess, tried to give me one of those like, at least you tried answers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least you showed up and hung out, man. That's cool. Yeah, good <laughs> it's job. Good to, it's always good to see you in person. <laughs> yeah, he gave me a sticker. It was like a star. <laughs> I drafted like, red, white, and blue. <laughs> red, white, and blue stars. And then I scroll down. I'm actually confused. Where do I even find this? And I see this magical letter show up. And it wasn't a C. It wasn't even a B. It was a straight up A. I did you the got- best you could draft. You got the highest grade in our draft, Aaron. Congratulations. Thank you. So that just part that participation trophy that you were going to give me has turned into a frameable A. Yeah, you took that participation trophy and like Dikembe Mutombo just slapped it away and you're like, "No, I take my A." And Yeah. <laughs> Wiggle with the finger. Yes. Uh so yeah, that it we'll, we'll see what happens with the actual draft. I'm still pretty convinced I'll come in last, but man, I'm gonna frame that A and I'm gonna keep it near and dear to my heart forever. And I'm not gonna let anyone forget that I got that A. No, you actually haven't. Since uh, since we drafted this weekend, Aaron's been sending email messages to the entire league just reminding everybody that he got an A <laughs> over and over. Um I mean you can't Which spell means- Aaron without an A in the beginning. So Yeah. Um, but Aaron, I think big news actually, really important news. Something well, we've talked about. Why don't you share? I mean, the good you news? know, yeah. There's bigger. Bigger is relative because the A is still the A. But uh, this week we were so I'm so excited to and to be able to bring to everyone and announce that. And it's been on uh, all the the different trades from Deadline to Yahoo Entertainment to Variety uh, that our movie Tar. An origin story about the based on a true legend about the La Brea tar pits and what what lives underneath and comes up and attacks the city of Los Angeles. The movie Tar is coming to drive-ins and select theaters in October for Halloween, and I couldn't be more thrilled for everyone to be able to see this film. It's a crazy industry. It's been a roller coaster of a ride these this year with everything going on and the fact that we're bringing this to you, it just, it makes my day and it, I hope brings some fun to, to everyone who gets to see it. Um, you know, in October when Halloween is not going to be the same Halloween this year. No. And, but honestly, I know we talked about, it was like one of the early episodes this summer, Aaron, um, or even the spring rather. Um, we were like, you know, you're pretty bummed out. You're like, listen, if people aren't going to the movies, how will you debut your film? And I gotta say, I'm actually really stoked with how it worked out because you know, there's, I think there's, you know, especially around the Halloween time, it's p- perfect to sort of have that type of, you know, your type of film out there and also be my first time ever going to a drive-in theater. So I'm really, really oh. excited for that. Yeah, I've never done that. Which will be really cool. And they're really hitting a boom because of COVID because they're safe. And you can also do this experience. And our movie has a creature element, a throwback element. And if you, uh, if you know what one of the big, things that made drive-ins popular was that was the scary movie or the fun movie the thriller so you know in the day you could then nuzzle up next to your loved one or your date and maybe get a little hoochie coochie that's great which i hopefully we don't don't miss too much of the movie though (laughs) i want to get my money's worth god damn it Um, yeah exactly don't miss too much make it quick 
but congrats on you know on the on your film uh, having a launch date and uh, a distribution that is working with COVID. So I'm thank really, you. Yeah, really and we'll be excited for you. We'll, thanks, dude. And we'll be updating about that as it gets closer and closer. But for now, if you just Google, you can read about what's going on on all the different websites. So uh, and feathers for that. So speaking of tar and. Again, these kind of these hope, these hopeful things like fantasy drafts and movies and stuff during this time of hopelessness. Uh, I think you have a big topic that, that touches on on that even more. Yeah, it's it's really interesting, and and and, um, and this is something that I'm not sure what side I stand on, but um, this week is a bit controversy uh, around uh, the lead singer of Twenty One Pilots, the band, and his name is Tyler Joseph. So yep. um, he had been asked by some fans to use his platforms to sort of talk about and address and show support for the social issues and, that are happening today. Right. Specifically BLM um, and and what he did, you know, uh, this is a guy that he never actually addresses any of these sort of issues. He's kind of just keeps it to music and being silly. He replied, you guys keep asking me to asking me to use my platforms feels good to dust these bad boys off and it's a couple pictures of him of him lacing up his platform sneakers so it was his attempt at being silly but um he has since sort of uh gotten canceled um and i'm not sure which side uh to hmm. to to sort of side with i mean i i understand that when you have a voice and you have the opportunity to use that voice to do something positive I think that, you know, it, it, it's it's you feel like, you know, you might almost have a responsibility to, especially when you have fans that, you know, are going through something. And then on the other side, it's should anyone feel compelled to speak to something that they may not feel comfortable speaking about? And when people are feeling compelled to make a statement and it becomes performative, does that performative sort of um, action like him saying something, even if he didn't necessarily believe in it, does that inauthentic statement on his part, does that even matter? Does it feel real? Like, so like where, and does he have the right to say, listen, I don't want to say anything because I don't know what to say or how to say. I just don't want to comment on it. Like where, where, where do you think? Like where, where, where does, where, where should people lie? Um, I think it's interesting. It's a definitely a balancing act. I do think, Free speech in this country is something that also means no speech is allowed. You don't have to have something to say. You can also say nothing. So I do believe in that. Uh, I also think we are in such a divisive time that everyone's expecting everyone to take a side. Uh, I've I've actually, 21 Pilots is an interesting band too because they get a lot of hate sometimes. As being like sellouts and they were indie and now they're just sellouts. I saw them last summer at uh, in San Francisco as a part of the music festival. And man, they, he puts on a show. I mean, the energy that guy brings. It was such a fun show. So they're great at what they do, whether you like their music or not. Um, they obviously have a big fun. They're probably one of the biggest rock bands around. Um, him not taking a stand. I'll just say personally what what I'm having to do now or going to do now and how I can relate is I'm very outspoken on social media about 
different viewpoints. And while if I were him, I would have definitely said I support the Black Lives Matter movement and people protesting so that there can be just for all people. I would have definitely said that. And that would have been the simple thing to say. Um, I do understand if you're him in the music industry and you don't want to alienate fans somehow on one side or the other. And it seems like no matter what you do in media, if you say one thing, you alienate the other side. So, and you sometimes also piss off people on your side because you didn't say it well enough. So I get why maybe he wouldn't want to do it. I'm personally going to be toning down a lot of what I'm doing over the next uh, several months so that I can, uh, not on this show, but uh, in general, because I don't want to alienate anyone from our film. So I get what he's doing. I also don't think if I were had that big a reach that he has, where you're selling millions of, you know, you have their big songs, probably have a billion downloads. Um, I just, I use something. I wouldn't make a joke of it. I think that was in maybe the wrong taste. I also understand that some people are very uncomfortable voicing an opinion at a time like this. And the last thing I'll say is what's extra funny for them is they have a specific song that they wrote in the first few weeks of this called like, will you be my quarantine about like cuddling up and like having a girl come over to be your quarantine lover. And it got a lot of airplay. So it's interesting. They were like the one group who made like immediately made a COVID song that was popular. And so then for him to say, he's not going to speak on issues, but he did speak. He made a song about COVID first is a little weird. So, you know, to each their own. I don't think people should be mad at him for not wanting to talk, but also uh, maybe say something. A joke. This isn't time for really the joke. Yeah. So I think we can agree that, you know, he just shouldn't feel compelled to say something, but if he was going to say something, don't make a joke out of it. And I think that, that that's where it is. Like, you know, he has every right to be silent, but don't make that joke when it's people a platform and like making it's almost like a like one of those celebrity um look i have a platform platform shoes ha 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 no dude you have a big platform you have millions of followers like it's not not a time for that joke but that being said they're good at music for the people who like them let them be good at music yep uh cool i feel good so that's a little hope right and again this is a trickle down that's a trickle down Mm -hmm. effect of what's going on now is um, Tyler Joseph getting lambasted for not saying anything. Uh, so that leads us right into the the mailer game, which is the game where we see who said what since I am uh, get both Biden and Trump's mailers. So Rohit, can you guess what Biden's billionaires is about? I'm guessing it's something from Trump where... He Trump's like, listen, I'm one of you. You know, I'm one of the people. Look at all the billionaires Joe Biden is supporting him. They just run to the money. Da, 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 da. I'm one of you. I'm guessing is that kind of thing? Yeah, kind of. Kind of. So, well, what's what's funny is Trump has so many billionaires that have given to his campaign. From um, Adelson, the big Vegas uh, bazillionaire, to uh, Sheldon Adelson to uh, to the Koch brother because only one left to the DeVos family like you name it there's he's got a lot of billionaires but this is his thing he said by it, the headline was Biden's billionaires so I'm like whoa Biden's billionaires this will be interesting 
raised $364 million. President Trump needs every patriot to give $45 to beat them. And if you don't, we'll fall behind seven times match. So what I found extra hilarious about this is that Biden's billionaires raised $364 million. Like, I thought it was going to say Biden's billionaires raised billions. Whether that's true or not, like, that's the headline. Biden's billionaires raised $364 million. Okay, and what did your billionaires raise? It just I just found it like, dude, billionaires should raise billions. Yeah, and you know what? And also $45 from a... Like, most people do not have $45 to give to a political campaign and also no. sign up for a lifetime of spam. Um, <laughs> that's... That is something. Oof. Okay. Well, and I was close, but I don't think I was, I was, I was right. So I think that's might be two weeks in a row. I got it wrong. Yeah. You, you weren't quite right, but it was, you know, you gave it a valiant effort. And, and the other thing I wanted to bring, cause this mailer game is really fun. We're going to keep doing it. Cause they're always funny and stump row hit. Usually. I just also want to say, I think we both want to say whether you like Trump's mailers or whether you like Biden's mailers, which candidate you like, it is so important to vote this year, um, and not just for the president, for all the people, for, for all the down-ballot candidates, as they call them, and all the issues. It is a given right that we have to vote, and with all this chaos going on right now, it is one thing we have is that ability, that, that, that right to go vote. And I just encourage everyone, as we joke with the mailer game, but we are the trickle-down effect. We are, we are the citizens who get to vote to make change. And so everyone who listens to this show, tell 50 people you know to vote, whether you agree with them or disagree with them. Agreed. Uh, and, you know, and, and Aaron, make a great point. It's like if you live in a blue state or a red state where the presidential outcome is kind of already predetermined, like we live in California, it's going to go blue. It hasn't gone red since Reagan. Um, and there's no indication of it going red this year. It's still, if you believe whether you feel defeated or victorious, depending on what side of the aisle you fall on, like there are still all the candidates that are running for local office and lots of ballot measures beyond candidates that are really, really important on a state by state basis. So get out there because the voting does matter and every vote matters. And especially in once you get away from the presidential uh, race and get to the others. Exactly. Like, for example, in California, just an easy one. And I'm guessing a lot of our listeners fall into this category. Um, marijuana being legal in California was because of people voting down ballot for a measure. That's it. That's how it happened. So um, for all of you listening to our show who might be chilling with the green, um, that's how that happened in the first place. Great. And maybe uh, I think uh, some states are starting to legalize mushrooms. So maybe that'll be something that we get to vote for um, in the future, too. So not that um, not that we've ever tried that. No, no. But I love I love, um, you know, button and shiitake and portabella. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, legalize it, dog. Legalize um, shiitake mushrooms. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So let's uh, let's jump to your topic. Yeah, this is a this is a big one. And so for those who don't know, um, uh, there's a man named Daniel Prude who is dead. Um, he died in March and there's a video that came out that was incredibly disturbing to me. Um, and I don't know if you've seen it, row it. I have, I have. So it's another one of these kind of grotesque policemen really taunting this dude. He's already on the ground, uh, 
in handcuffs. So he can't go anywhere or do anything. And they still, and it's raining. And they basically, as he's begging for his life, they they suffocate him and he ended up dying of asphyxiation. I think is the right pronunciation. And, you know, this is a, this happened in March, but the video just surfaced. And then there have now been riots and, uh, which I don't, I don't recommend riots. I think Biden said it really well that protesting, great riots, violence, looting, shooting on either side, whoever you're for is just wrong. And now that's happening in Rochester. And I think it's going to continue all over. But what happened to Daniel Prude is just blatantly wrong. Like I don't understand it. And what was extra disgusting, and I'm going to share a personal story. What was extra disgusting to me is you hear them in the tape, like laughing and joking as though this guy's life doesn't matter. This black man's life just doesn't matter. And I don't get it. And so a personal story I'm going to share is a while ago, I was just a kid. Um, I was at a party in Boulder, Colorado, and I, uh, everyone there was underage drinking and we all left the party cause the cops showed up at the time, the John Benet Ramsey thing, which I don't even really remember exactly what it was, but there was a little girl who went missing and died. Um, beauty pageant girl. So these cops were still feeling like getting wrath in Boulder because it happened in Boulder for that, even though it had happened a number of years before. And young people, and I looked really young, um, young people, they were kind of after. It was like vengeance. And what happened is I got a flashlight shined on me when we were all leaving the party because it got broken up. And I had a red solo cup in my hand with like half a beer left in it. I got the, all of a sudden that bright police flashlight was shining in my face. And I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, they want me. And they're like, sir, come over here right now. So I start walking across the street to them. And as I do, I like pour out the beer, even though they can see me doing it. But I'm like, I'm going to pour it out. Don't ask me why. So I get over to the cops and they're like, what were you doing? And I'm like, I was at the party and then I was leaving. What were you drinking? And I think I said something like, I forget. And then... They immediately just grabbed me, handcuffed handcuffed me, threw me to the ground and actually put a knee on the back of my neck. And then they started jabbing with each other. And um, look, I'm white. I'm not black. Uh, I was just a kid. And that feeling of complete hopelessness and just inability to do anything And this was because I had half a beer leaving a party along with everyone else. It made no sense, really. And I remember the the thing being on the neck. I remember getting scratched up and bruised because of it. I don't know how long it lasted. It made a lasting imprint. Like, I'll never forget it. And eventually they said, all right, we'll let you go now. And they wrote me a ticket. And then I said, how do I get home? Because I was like a lot far away and everyone had left. They're like, I don't know. Go. Get out of here now. So I just like walked a number of miles to uh, to get back to where I was staying. And I remembered that when I saw the what happened to Daniel Prude. And I just thought, this can happen to anyone. And I don't think most cops are like this, but there are. And it's it's got to stop. And that, that feeling of hopelessness, of having a, 
someone's knee on your neck as you did something minuscule. And I don't even know what Daniel Prude did. But in my case, I mean, I was underage drinking. Um, It's, I mean, an, an, an imprint from authority can leave a lasting impression, whether it's a cop or it's a teacher. I mean, even really quick, similar is, you know, in high school, I remember we used to go part in Tom's River, New Jersey. We used to go party in a place called the White Sands. It was out in the woods. It's where all the kids, we light bonfires. It was, it was very much a very high school thing. And I remember one night the cops came and, you know, there was like 50, 60 people at the party. Everybody has solo cups. And they just, they picked one guy out of the crowd, this kid named Jimmy. Um, and Jimmy was like a good student, you know, he was just like, he was just a fun loving guy, but he was, after he got arrested, they, they picked him out They kind of to make an example. After he got arrested, he was never the same after that. Like when he went to college, he was never the same. Huh. And like his whole life, it changed his entire life. And he passed a couple of years ago. He and did. Just, I think, yeah. And it was, it's really sad because it's like, I always think about that one night and his whole life, I think was just changed by being made an example, by getting arrested, by just like all of a sudden just having his, his grand shookings for just doing something for about being a kid. Now the same thing when it comes to, uh, what's happening in the streets, especially with black Americans, especially with how um, you know police are interacting with them. You know, with Daniel Prude, he was taken down. He, they, they, they put a hood over his head, right? Oh, yeah, that, that too. And that hood was actually, it's it's effect of, co- of co- corona. It's when, uh, you know, when certain, because he was running around naked, um, and so he was spitting everywhere, and they didn't, cops, we did, it was still early, they didn't understand coronavirus, so they didn't want him spitting on them, so they put the hood on his head. However, that causes the asphyxiation, and right now it's calling to question, like, is this even a smart thing to do? We know it's a COVID co- measure, but this is crazy. So I think it's, it's, when you have authority, you need to also have compassion, because Boom. that is important. You need to remember where you came from. You need to remember where these people are coming from. It is not about enforcing the law. It is about helping people through the law. And and I think that is what we've forgotten. And that's why people are taking out their anger and their pain in really caustic ways, which sometimes are necessary. Um, but yeah, it's it's. I think, if anything, what's coming from what happened with Daniel Prude is even getting us to... It goes beyond shootings, right? And it, go, it, it it's actually... It goes... We need to re-examine every single measure of how we treat people that are being taken in, right? Whether you're pushing them to the ground, kneeing them from behind, putting a bag over their head. Sometimes you need to, a lot, most times you don't. And I think, um, and hopefully this causes a, an evaluation of every last practice. I total, and compassion, I think in terms of trickle down, I think compassion Um from everything from my little incident story to the awful terror that happened to Daniel Prude. Um, compassion is a word that we're just so, it's something we're so lacking in our society right now. And I just hope we can bring it back more. And I think you said that very well. So I feel hope that we can try to bring compassion back. So let's, so, let, let's hope and, you know, rest in peace, Mr. Prude. Um, yes. And speaking of, uh, of of Mr. Prude, I just I'm going to ask you, Rowan. This is a big one, as you know. My favorite band is BTS, the K-pop group. I just don't know much of their music. It's our we love them. Do you did you hear what happened to them today? No. It has to do with the stock market. Okay, do tell. Are you ready for it? BTS, amazing. They're the worldwide sensation. They're the best band ever since the Beatles. I mean, they are amazing. I wish I knew more of their songs. They are getting, every member of them is getting 
stock in the company, Big Hit Entertainment, that they made huge. So they're getting shares in their label, which I think for um, society and the arts and what happens to artists and what's happened to musicians in the past is so the right thing to do and so not what happens most of the time with the arts. It's like the big company owns the struggling artist who then gets big. I love this personally because without BTS, Big Hit Entertainment isn't what they are. So no, I think it's so cool and it's hopefully sets a precedent for other artists going forward on in all the in all types of art. Yeah, you know what? Seize the means of record production. Um, yeah. It's good for the artists to have a say in their own future and own, you know, it goes back to even all the Motown artists that were fighting to own their masters, right? To own the those Beatles. original recordings. Yeah. McCartney had to buy back his own music. Yeah, it's wild. So the record labels generally, they help with the distribution, they help with the production, they put these things together, but oftentimes they're leeches. Um, so so th- doesn't this feel hopeful? It does. It really does. It really does. And I think, um, you know, that was, a, that was a really a positive entertainment note. But I think, you know, we want to transition to Hopeless TV. Yeah. And just acknowledge the absolute gut punch um, of the passing of Chadwick Boseman. Um, this, it was, I think it hit everybody. Um, to me, this was like, this was like the lowest point of of the entire year for me because it was everything stacked up on one on top of another. And it was, this was almost like the most symbolic thing is we lost the man that played Thurgood Marshall, that played Jackie Robinson, that played Black Panther. And he still had a solid four decades ahead in his life. We lost Kobe and Chadwick along with lots of other people, you know, whose names weren't famous, but became famous. Um, but I think this, this one hurt. And I just, you know, I think, um, you know, we rewatched Black Panther this weekend too just and it was it was you could just see that you know it was the impact that he's left on pop culture and just you know being a black superhero beyond black panther was something that i think no one has ever done yet and yeah it hurt a lot it was sad and just what he stood for and who he was i'm just gonna just i'll give a little eulogy because i had the pleasure of doing a film festival with him we both premiered our movies at the chinese theater together um, and, uh, so I got to spend time with him. This was right after 42, the Jackie Robinson movie came out. So I got to spend a little time with him because the directors, when you're premiering, you talk to each other. He wasn't in his movie. He just directed it. And the man was, he had just been in a huge movie, 42 with Harrison Ford. He's Jackie Robinson. And, uh, he couldn't have been more kind, humble, and non-Hollywood. He was just nice. He treated me. I had not just been in the movie 42, and he had treat he treated me like we were just equals making a movie premiering our film and he was just so kind humble and excited about showing his movie to an audience and i will always remember that little bit of time i had with chadwick and and just how genuine caring nice and humble a guy he was like this was not a guy who needed attention and he just happened to get it because of his talents so rest in peace, Chadwick. We, you will definitely not be forgotten and will always stand for something much, much, much bigger than any one person can normally ever stand for. You know, it's tragic and it just shows how life is so precious. And uh, I'll tell you an, another bit of hopeless TV that, that happened this week. Um, 
as we know from from past uh, episodes, I've gone on Eddie Murphy kicks at times. Norbit was a huge one. Um, no pun intended with uh, some of the characters Eddie Murphy plays in the film Norbit. I know you still need to do your double feature of Norbit and Undercover Brother. I uh, sure do. So I decided to go back because I'm just fascinated by Eddie Murphy because the guy started on SNL when he was 19. Just a crazy talent, like one of those freaks with how funny he is. And I was like, I want to watch Eddie Murphy Delirious because that was the thing, if you remember, that he did. It was his first movie, even though it was a stand-up movie. It wasn't actually a movie. but It was before Beverly Hills Cop and Nutty Professors and 48 Hours, all those big movies. He did this stand-up movie, which was just him going on stage in a red suit. He kind of had a Michael Jackson look and doing stand-up. So I watched that. And then I watched his second one, Eddie Murphy Delirious, which I think to this day is the biggest stand-up movie ever. Yeah, Um, one of those was uh, like, which was like, we got ice cream and you ain't got none. I don't yep. know which one of those two it's from. That was delirious. That was delirious. Okay. So I went on the the double feature. Well, over a period of a couple of days, I watched first Delirious and then Raw. Um, two things I realized. One, within the first 20 seconds, 30 seconds of Delirious, it would never happen. He would be canceled immediately. Um, the things he says he uses, you know, to describe uh, gay people, he uses that word. I mean, he he just goes for everything. But at the time, it was acceptable. He talks about AIDS in a way that is uh, probably would not be acceptable now. Um, he has an amazing opening bit about like if Mr. T was gay. I mean, it is the funniest hour and a half possible, like. The man is an absolute genius at this stuff. And then you look up, how old was he when he did this? When he was the the biggest comedian on the planet. I think he overtook Steve Martin. Steve Martin was like the big, he would sell out stadiums. And then Steve Martin quit forever in 1980. And then Eddie Murphy became the biggest. So this was awesome. And then Delirious, not quite as good, but still unbelievable. And in that, he has a whole impersonation thing. It's like a 10-minute thing about Bill Cosby being the family guy. Now, he hates Bill Cosby because Bill Cosby wouldn't doesn't like his stand-up. All of this made me feel hopeless because of what we've talked about before, cancel culture. And Eddie Murphy right now with this would be canceled immediately. And then what's extra crazy is the guy that he's saying is the guy who would can't, who wants to cancel him is Bill Cosby, who is a giant rapist. So give me hope that we'll get something like this back ever and we can eliminate this cancel culture and just get when people are funny, let them be funny. It's it's I mean, it's interesting that you bring this up. I mean, uh, it was just in the news recently that John Cleese, uh, you know, of Monty Python fame, he was kind of just uh, he was kind of going off on, um, you know, his whole thing is when, uh, you know, because obviously comedy has taken a huge hit because of you know politically correct culture um and he his whole thing is like um it's the idea of people you know he says that uh from the point of creativity you have to if you have to keep thinking which words you can use and which you can't that will stifle creativity the main thing to realize is that words depend on their context very literal minded people think that a word 
is a word, but it isn't. Teasing can be a bonding mechanism as well as the nasty, the nasty, mean, unkind type. Um, but he's like, you know, it's wrong to completely put people down. But there's also affectionate teasing we do with families. And, you know, it's a way to get to know each other. And, um, and it's a verbal duel of sorts. But he's saying that PC people simply don't understand this business about context because they tend to be very literal minded. And he says, I would love to debate this. The first question he, has, he would say is, can you tell me a woke joke? And... <laughs> there's no woke jokes no it's like you can't be funny unless there is some bit of deprecation happening um and yeah what a woke joke would be like like did you see how they them went out there with their politically correct sign and then they almost fell over a, a rock and it almost dropped their sign yeah. And orange man bad. And it's just like, yeah. yeah. And it's like, and he's like, I don't know what a woke joke would be like. It might be heartwarming, but it's not going to be very funny. And it's, no. just, it's just great. So humor is purely dependent on laughing at ourselves as individuals, laughing at ourselves as a culture, laughing at ourselves as just as a world, as a gender, as everything, because laughter is what helps you get through. Sometimes making jokes, even onion with its satire, which is really like sharp at times. They're good. It's humor that helps get you through every single situation. Not that we should make jokes about every single situation, but we shouldn't stop people from making jokes about every single situation. Um, and no, we, it's gotta stop, right? We, we have to like, if you don't want to hear it, then don't watch that comedian. Yeah. And it's, and you, you shouldn't use hate as a weapon, but you also shouldn't use anti-hate as a weapon. Um, no, and not everything is hate. Not everybody's a Nazi because they're laughing at something that is kind of objectively hilarious. Um, yes. So I, I think, you know, maybe the world needs to see Eddie again. I think it's it's thank God we have these specials that are still on, you know, Netflix and HBO Max and all that so that people can reference what great comedy is. Um, and it's maybe honestly who maybe it's a stand up comedians today that are the biggest fighters for free speech. Yep. And because uh, even uh, Jim Gaffigan this week, fame, pretty it's really all over the news because he's that wholesome comedian kind of and he went off. And he went off. It it was funny, but it was also serious. But it was like, whoa, Jim Gaffigan, Mr. Wholesome, went off. And that's what was funny about the Eddie Murphy thing is he was going off on Bill Cosby because Bill Cosby was so wholesome. When guess what? These comedians are just being funny. Look at who the real Bill Cosby was. A rapist. So, like, you know, this doesn't represent who the person is. They're just making us laugh. Yeah, and there's a a famous quote, especially when it was coming from... Uh, Jim Gaffigan, someone like that. So there's the author, Patrick Rothfuss. He's a um, a fantasy writer, but he's got a line in one of his books that says, uh, you know, there are three things all wise men fear, the sea in a storm, a night with no moon, and the anger of a gentle man. <laughs> so, um, you know, and a lot of and times, that's, it's a great line. I mean, a lot of times comedians that's good. are able to put that anger into a place where we can all relate. Um, and that's and you and you know what you just said because that relatability and we've talked about it on this episode already with um, my movie coming out. I'm terrified of like saying something that'll piss someone off that'll get it so that the, our movie gets canceled. So which is a bad place to live in. So let's hope that people can watch Eddie Murphy 
realize that, look, people are just making people laugh. This guy, this was, and we don't need to cancel everything. Nope. Nope. We don't. Um, and don't so, yeah, cancel it's a good refresher. me. It's, it's good. It's good that, you know, to see just how hard, hard the classics went. Um, you know, we can maybe one day get back to that. Um, let's and and speaking of which so there's one other piece of hopeless tv that i had this week and it really depressed me because i also felt stupid um i was late at night and i was just like you know what i'm gonna watch one of the late night shows there's a lot of them it's like a lot of they're all like they're all named jim jimmy james (laughs) um there's uh jimmy kimmel but he's on hiatus. There's uh, Jimmy Fallon. And mm-hmm. then there's Stephen Colbert. James Corden. James Corden. And, uh, and then Trevor Noah. But he's probably named James Noah. And then he just changed it to Trevor. <laughs> and so I started watching a bunch of them. I was like, oh, who do I want to see? I want to see everyone's points of view. So I watched a bunch different ones. And I watch five minutes here, five minutes there. I'm like, wow, that's a hot take. Oh, damn, that's a hot take. Oh, that's funny. Oh, that's less funny, but that's a hot take. That's interesting. And then I realized after about 30 minutes of doing this that all of them were repeats. And they were from like three months ago. So I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so stupid. I thought this was like current news that they were talking about or current (laughs) jokes that they were making. And they're from three months ago. And then I felt extra dupe because I'm like, oh, my gosh. Whatever was happening three months ago is just as relevant now. Nothing's changed. And so then, I, so give me hope because I felt one, stupid. Two, I was like, how many Jim, Jimmy's and James are there? And three, nothing's changed. Like the jokes and the comedy and the anger and all the stuff that they do, it's the exact same as what's happening today. Well, if it can make you feel better, this is a, um, the news cycle this year, I feel has had far fewer stories than the past, but each of the stories have been way bigger in scale. Yep. To the sense that they are taking a bigger role in our lives as well as they're lasting a lot longer. So that what you can do is if you go to Vegas and you were to sort of, I don't know, I think you can bet on real life shit. Um, maybe you can, you can bet on the election. Yeah. So then even with the election, but like if there's another big, if there's a big news story that comes out, maybe you can sort of like predict what's happening in the following few months as a continuation of that. As you can obviously have a very deep knowledge of gambling. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I study it because I'm writing a book about it. I would never (laughs) participate in it. No, no, no. Just read about it on Reddit. But if anything, maybe it's it's just, you know, if, if, if it's more predictable, you can adapt to the world a little bit easier. You know. All right. So just um, keep my predictions in the hands of the Vegas yes, casinos. Yes. And, and less paralysis by new news topics, and we're more ready to handle just whatever's building on the current ones. Fantastic. So then let's move on to the current ones. Thank you. Yeah. I feel hope now. I'm just going to make a lot of money on my predictions. Get Which rich. so far, like since we started this show, a lot of the things both of us have said have come true, including me saying there's going to be a street civil war, which I said, man, months ago, and it's totally happening. Yeah, it's starting, man. It's starting. So speaking of that, I guess we go into topic three, which is entertainment related. Um, And I'm really curious what you think about this, 
Because, again, in the film industry, being a filmmaker myself, actor, director, doing all this stuff, big blow today. Or in, Yeah, I think it was really today. Um, Batman, the new Batman, which is like has like parallel universe Batmans because there's like Robert Pattinson is the new Batman, but then Michael Keaton is like parallel universe Batman. Don't ask me how this is all going to work, but the problem is it's not working right now because Robert Pattinson, and we don't know who else, but he got coronavirus. So they have to shut down probably the biggest production possible, a $200 million movie. They have to shut it completely down. It's in England, so it's not even in the epicenter, the United States, of coronavirus. It's in England. And I know personally from people who are doing setting up these movies that I know who work on some of them, the precautions are massive to get this to work. A friend of mine who just did a series of commercials in L.A., what he had to go through just to do the commercials was insane. And the fact that Batman got it, actual Batman got it, like it's, this gives me so little hope for being able to do anything like film where it, which involves human to human contact. There's no way around it. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's wild. I, I think the implications of this, yeah, it's a $200 million shoe. That's a few million a day. Right. Um, yeah. Also, so the, let's see. It's probably, yeah, it's probably like a 90 day shoot. So yeah, at least a couple million a day. And I know that the costs because of coronavirus, the costs go up minimum, add another 10 to 20 million onto the budget for Even coronavirus you do craft services, individually packaged, all that kind of yep. stuff. Um, and then, uh, so today the rock and his whole family announced that they have COVID. They have it. And then, and even there was a commercial director in LA that died recently. Uh, not commercial director, a commercial assistant director. Um, I think he was a DP. Um, uh, he died this past week um, after contracting Corona during a shoot. Um, oh man, it's horrible. And they, it, it's it's. I think this is just a preview because the industries that have gone back to doing stuff in person the fastest, you know, the non-essential industries. Um, no offense to either yours or my industries. We're not overly essential uh, workers. Um, but when, when the non-essential industries like entertainment and advertising and all that, when they came back, they're like the first ones to go back into the fold. And we are seeing they're a, a sort of test case for what it's like for when the rest of the world gets back together yep. in the office. And when you have the main star or key players or just people that are dying like that, that are like, it's, it's crazy. So it's, it's, I think if anything, we're seeing a sample um, of how to deal with space and food and key talent. Um, like it's 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 scary. It just I don't doesn't think work. We'll be ready to. I don't think we'll be ready to do this until next summer. I don't think yet. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how Batman starts shooting again because the per, like when you're filming a movie. Um, or when I am, I'll, from personal experience, when I'm on a set, the the key players, like the guy playing Batman, are the most protected. They're the most pampered. They're the most everything. So the fact that he got it, of all people, and who knows who else on the set then got it, um, I don't know how they start it back up. No. it's it's. We'll see how long it, this takes to recover, but every production 
is going to be watching with eyes trained on this Batman set just to see how they deal with it, how long it takes Robert Pattinson to come back. Um, I think this will probably be one of the most, you know, outside of any of the big marquee MCU films or whatever, this will be one of the most scrutinized film productions of all time. That has nothing to do with the actual story itself, but everything to do with the stars and the talent yeah. and how this is happening. It's really, really fascinating. Um, well, it's even one out here, a friend, uh, I, I actually can't talk, can't say what I was going to say, but there's a big movie out here that uh, is filming a P.T. Anderson's new movie, Paul Thomas Anderson's new movie, more of a Boogie Nights throwback. Bradley Cooper's the star. It's filming in the Valley right now. So far, I believe they've been, they have kept going. They've been shooting for a week or two. Some, I'll just say I'm skeptical based on some things I've, I know. And that's again, giant budget movie, Bradley Cooper, Paul Thomas Anderson. I mean, Big studio, all the stuff, and let's see what happens. And I'm pumped for this movie because it sounds like it's Paul Thomas Anderson going back to Boogie Nights era. Which I still haven't seen. Um, so that's that's one of the many It's about a giant... So summary of the movie real quick. So there's a guy and he has a giant penis. Okay, and he roller skates or something. Um, yeah, so you get it. Yeah. You don't need to oh, see yeah. it. Um, but one so, so, tweet I did see yes. really quick was regarding The Rock. It said, um, you know, The Rock uh, or, you know, The Rock and his family, they uh, they didn't know they had coronavirus until they couldn't smell what The Rock was cooking. (laughs) 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 That's good. It's pretty good. That's good. (laughs) But 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 wait, but they have not hit rock bottom. No, they have not. No, 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 no. And we don't need to get their, uh, you know, their their their. Oh, I was going to say tombstones, but that's a rock. I don't know. That's not going to work. Uh, we don't need to get those ready. But anyway, <laughs> different humor. Word. It's funny. It's funny. Yeah. We just joked oh. about the rock having coronavirus. Yay. Yeah. Um, so speaking of that, it's on to our section. Rohit knows the O's because you're the giant Orioles fan. Um, yes, but we're going to we're going to skew a little bit because I want to know your opinion here. So as an Orioles fan, as a sports fan, as a fan of all this, just so we can Mm -hmm. know, what does Rohit think of this? To me, college football happening, which I enjoy. I like watching college football. It's fun. I think the fact that they're having a season this year is everything wrong about everything because they've shown outbreaks are at schools far and wide. As it is, I believe that these college athletes – especially football players, should have these funds, trust funds, where if you go pro, you give up your trust fund to all the other athletes who didn't make get rich from their college career. And it's released after you go to uh, college. If you go, don't go, if you go pro, you get your pro money. If you don't go pro, you get given, let's say $25,000, $30,000 a year from the school so you can make a life of yourself. Having college football play during COVID shows just how much these guys are hired guns to make the school money. Most of them are going to get hurt, aren't going to go pro. A lot of them are in danger of getting COVID. And students can't even go to the classes, but the college football players are supposed to travel around playing college to make the school money. It just seems like everything wrong about everything to me. I, I, I think there's two sides you can look at with this that are both kind of compelling and interesting. Now, on the larger college level, sports aside, 
um, you know, college students are, have been called back to campus, right? They're living in the dorms, but they cannot go to class. So on one side, you're like, wait a second. Now they're paying for room and board, but they can't even go to the classroom. This is just another way for college to just take money from them, right? And then it actually yep. puts them in positions where they are all they could all get sick, and we are seeing them get sick. On the other hand, there's so many international students, um, and there's also students that rely on college housing, like international students that would get deported if they are not living on campus and not in class. So it's almost a way to support that. I still think it's more of a money grab by the college. Now you put that, now let's extrapolate that to sports. So on one hand, exactly what you're saying, these college athletes are not paid. And you look at like the SEC in football, that is almost as big as the NFL, it feels. And it's in terms of mm-hmm. TV rights and just all the fanfare, the merchandise, everything. Like the Southeast of America lives and dies by three months of college football every single year. Like it is the biggest thing. It's bigger than the NFL. It's bigger than anything down there um, from Florida to Georgia to Texas. Um, so what you have here is just a money grab and it's a lot of lost money. Now, on the other hand, you have people who, these athletes, that are going to college specifically to play football. They're unpaid, unfortunately, but specifically to play football so they get a chance to maybe make the NFL, to, be, to, make, to make a professional career for them, even though it's such a small percentage, but the SEC specifically, you know, the SEC, Big, Big 12, all that, like mostly the SEC, like it's almost all these athletes are, you know, they're just getting pulled from schools going to the NFL and getting drafted. Now, what you do by not having the season is, you take away the one thing these guys have been working to their entire life, right? Until that point. You take away that but opportunity. Do you? But do you if you just wait a year so that they can play where it's a healthier situation and where it's also a more fair situation? Yeah, I mean, that's that's an interesting, interesting sort of thing. Maybe it's like due to a national, a global pandemic, maybe if for players that have already redshirted, maybe the NCAA allows a second redshirt year, right, to these athletes that... Yeah. I, and I think that that is a solve, and that would prove that the that the colleges actually care about their students if they can give them that second redshirt year. And for listeners that don't know what that means, is generally most of us go to four years of college. Um, but what happens? Is I went to six will, or seven personally. Yeah, some of us really love school. You know, um, <laughs> what a lot of times college athletes will do, they'll redshirt a year, which means they'll sit out a year, like on quote unquote injury. Now this is that way that this is so they can have five years of school. And four year, one year to develop themselves, and then the next four years to play. Um, and also, it gives them a chance for their bodies to grow, and it gives a chance also for the school to have more players to choose from in uh, as part of a roster. Um, so if 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 a player has already redshirted, they don't get a second redshirt year. You can only do that once. So this this could be a, maybe if the NCAA, who is the ruling sort of tyranny over the uh, of, over college sports, if they would allow a second redshirt year, maybe. Won't put the players in a position where they have to play for their lives, literally, and their the rest of their careers. So then here's a set because, yeah. So there's the there's hope there, and this is shows this trickle down effect of how this hopelessness is affecting so many smaller things. Not that like football is small, but it's smaller than some of the big crises we've been talking about. These trickle down effects, movies, sports, what how people are trying to get back in. And then the other piece that just, to me, was hopeless and disturbing is, again, a lot in the South, it feels very polarized with politics, that they want to show in certain areas 
that everything's back to normal and everything's good, including, like I saw Notre Dame plans on having 20,000 fans at each game. Like, to me, that's just a recipe for disaster. Nobody, from Dr. Fauci to name it, has said that we should do this right now. Have Mm 20,000 people in a place. No matter what your precautions are, you shouldn't do that. And then, but um, I know the uh, Trump administration really wants to show the NFL college football. He really wanted baseball back. I don't think he cares about basketball. But, um, (laughs) nope. But uh, he wanted baseball back for sure. He even lied about how he was going to throw out a first pitch. Um, but baseball was important because that shows the summer's back for America. And then football is important because it shows the fall and winter are back. Look, everything's normal. And then, But then if you look, the Pac-12 on the West Coast said, nope, we are not playing. This is not happening. So it then becomes this politicizing of these students who are just trying to go to school and potentially have a, co- a football career or at least go to school so that it just seems like levels of wrong. And then the fans that go, I mean, there's right now, I think in around these areas, there's the biggest outbreaks of coronavirus yet for some of these cities, these states like Iowa is getting crushed. So, but then you're going to have 20,000 people go watch an Iowa state football game. Like it just makes no sense. I don't know. I don't know how they're going to do it. And it's, it's, and when kids start getting sick and athletes start getting sick, I, I still, if we haven't gotten the country to care yet, I don't know what will get them to care about student athletes who it's more important that they get their entertainment. They get, it's the people that are wanting the world to open back up are the ones like, Oh, I want my entertainment. I want to watch my football. I want to go shopping without this mask and all this kind of shit. It's like, it's, they don't care about anybody else. Um, and guess what? We want that too. We're not telling you, we're not telling you guys, we don't, I want it. Roe wants it. We all want to have fun and do all that stuff again, but I don't want to see people die. <laughs> and, and that, that's the, that's what's so fascinating to me about all this is that it's it, the, the trickle down effect has become some places will have 20,000 people go watch a game and other places are like no way. And it feels like we're living in this, these two different worlds. So mm-hmm. I just hope people listen to the, the professionals a little more and don't listen to this Wizard of Oz hopeful alternative reality. Mm-hmm. I'm with you, man. It's And you can't make teenagers the subject of your desire for entertainment and TV rights. Like You don't put teenagers' lives at stake. Um, and so that's what these students are. They're fucking 19 and 20 and 21 year olds. Like that's what they are. They're kids. Um, yeah. It's so really yeah, it's, it's, and even the NFL I know had, um, and they've barely been practicing yet. And they had a bunch of cases already, positive cases. Um, I forget. They, I don't know if they had released the names, but they already had some players test positive just within their own camps. So it's just like, Hmm, this all seems backwards. It seems like it's not, Look, baseball luckily has worked. Um, they got good protocols and they got it to work. I'm just this. Some of this football stuff feels really polarizing, and it just feels dangerous. But on the hopeful side, let's see. Maybe people will come to their senses. Mm-hmm. And maybe people, you know, without sports, people will find continue to find other outlets. Without football, maybe they find their creativity. They find things time to do other things. We'll see what happens. 
Uh, and maybe the college, maybe the college football players, maybe can actually then focus on their studies and grow it. What? Wait, wait, yeah. wait! You're saying that they should do studies? Wait, wait! Yeah, actually, I mean, sorry. As the most studious person um, on this uh, podcast right now, with the A rating I got, um, I'm all about studies. <laughs> it's. I mean, yeah, you're a modern day bookworm. Um, so I think, uh, you know, maybe, maybe, like I said, maybe college athletes can focus on education for a year. It'd be great. Yep. And, uh, year school. and, uh, I just remembered that Ina and I got a bet. We were uh, Todd. Gur- what? Was it the Todd Gurley bet? I don't remember. We can cut this. I just remembered. Ina and I made a $50 bet about Todd Gurley. Oh, no, Joe Burrow versus Jared Goff. Who's going to finish with more points? Oh, right. Yes, and we decided to get more fantasy points at the end of the season in our league scoring style. So that just shows, look, I don't like to gamble, but I was forced to. So I I think that leads us right into Hope in 60 Seconds. Yes. So, um, So Hope in 60 Seconds, as you guys know, the segment where we take and solve problems in a minute. So Aaron is going to kick us off. I'm going to start that timer. Aaron, why don't you kick us off? Yes. So uh, I know we're doing microcosms and we're trying to show trickle-down effect. So this is one of them. Trump has demanded a patriotic education in U.S. schools. Children must be taught that America is an exceptional, free, and just nation worth defending, preserving, and protecting. And so and then it goes on to say all the things that um, that he wants to do basically show that it's a Republican, you know, defend yourself against the socialist. It's really weird, but he has demanded that that that's our education. Um, And he blamed the Portland protests. He said, we will not teach that. We will just teach America. Tell me how there's hope in showing a one sided version of American schools. All right. Well, in 12 seconds, what I can say is that there is already a movement for a new type of patriotism. And the idea is that uh, you are taught about black history. You are taught about the history of immigrants and just how what they've done in this country. So if you want us to push for patriotism, I'm in full support of that. But I think that what we can do is an opportunity now to actually move like U.S. history students into a place where we're understanding the truth about our country and the and the and the impact of immigrants and the impact of women and minorities and I think that there is a chance. So maybe while he's trying to espouse the values of this nation, it's a chance for us to then pivot to truly what they've evolved to. It's still America can still be great, but not until you recognize truly what does make it great. Um, so you know maybe this is a chance for that to to be part of that curriculum. Well, I am so that gives me so much hope. And then I'm just going to I know it's over 60 seconds. I'm going to read you this quote. Many young Americans have been fed lies about America being a wicked nation plagued by racism. Trump said during a news conference. And he wants to end that so that people are just fed. Patriotism. So it's he wants the opposite of that. Well, (laughs) I mean, the good thing is uh, the majority of teachers belonging to the teachers unions are far from conservative. Um, Yes. So he has to have somebody that's going to enforce that learning. 
and trust that um, you're not going to have a lot of compliance with most teachers in the country. Um, so, yeah, he's what he's doing is he's just opening up uh, the opportunity, like I said, for a new type of patriotism. If That's something that's going to be taught. Go teachers. Go teachers. So the next topic, um, I'm going to start. And our next one is about New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, uh, the man who has been behind, uh, you know, the the uh, New York, you know, seeing seeing the coronavirus through as well as it could. The man that has been tweeting time after time, wear a mask, wear a damn mask, be responsible and wear a mask. He was just photographed uh, outside his house, walking his dog, not wearing a mask. And it's it kind of went off on Twitter. But however, what I'm hopeless about is how can someone that has been so pro mask and just the day before and the day before that telling people to not leave the house without mask, he's doing the opposite himself. Um, and this isn't people aren't talking about it. People are just kind of bearing it because he's one of the he's one of the guys on, on, on the good side, as many people might think. Well, how can you get hope out of that? All right. I'm going to use myself as an example. Ready? Because I have 10 seconds. I am all about masks. Big time. I sometimes when there's not many people around will walk around my neighborhood without my mask just on the side because there's just no people. And it's nice to not have that on. I saw that picture. There wasn't really anyone around except one car drove up. So in your neighborhood, if there's no one around, it's nice to have some fresh air. And so that's what I'm guessing happened with him. But there was a lady like three feet away from him. Or not three feet, maybe like a little further. But like the fact is he's it's New York. You are going to encounter human beings as you're passing. The fact that he wasn't even ready for that. Like, what's he going to do? Cross, make his dog walk across the street? And even just the optics. The fact that he wants to tell everybody what to do, which is the right thing to do. Everybody should be wearing masks. But he feels himself above that advice. Is just really dispiriting. And the fact that I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe his dog just had to take a quick shit. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. I think be better. If you're gonna, if you are going to preach something, fucking practice it, and don't make everybody else do it. Otherwise, and his brother's whole, his brother's whole family got it too. Yeah, so it's all right, Andrew Cuomo. Andrew Cuomo, realize you're in the public eye. You're really famous. Um, So even though there might not be anyone around, just do it. Yeah, it's just at least be consistent with your messaging. Um, All right, next topic. Let me start that timer. It's fascinating, the trickle-down effect. This is Facebook crackdown. Facebook changed their whole layout. And they have cracked down a ton, including to us with our show, The Together Show, that we do. Everyone should watch it. It's The Together Show on Facebook. Easy to find. But the problem is they crack down so that in order to get your messages out to people, if you fail their algorithm whatever it might be, and we had this experience with our last episode, they bury your show. And we had a great show this last week, and it took a while for us to get unburied. They shut us down because of this crackdown. So help. So was it the crackdown in terms of political posts? or? Yeah, this wasn't political. It's just their algorithm, and they're trying to control the media. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Every platform has algorithms from Google to Facebook to Instagram to the App Store. There are algorithms. What I do think, though, is is it, Facebook and all the, by the way, all these, Spotify even, all these companies keep their algorithms pretty close to the vest. Um, but what's something called a Q score um, is your quality score. Um, and the Q score 
is applied in d differently by platform. Now, I think Facebook's been under a lot of scrutiny for the Q score because you've had a lot of fake news. You've had a lot of false information that has been shared or hate groups that have been shared on Facebook that have somehow ranked highly in the Q score. And meanwhile, interview, thoughtful interview shows, you know, like the Together Show, that you get deprioritized. Now, um, with Facebook recently announcing that they're going to limit or almost ban completely political advertising leading into the elections on Facebook, which I think is actually a great step. That's great. Because, yeah, it's really strong. Let it just be a plat a really, uh, I think as I was reading recently, somebody called it the most over-designed platform to wish people happy birthday. Um, <laughs> And let Facebook just kind of do what Facebook does. It does not need to be treating itself as a media source because once you become a new source, a media source and become and allow all that sort of type of messaging, you have to hold yourself to different standards. Um, and once you start controlling, um, you know, what is what you feel is good political news and what's bad political news, that becomes a, a it's a mess. I know we're well past our one minute. Um, but I well, here, I'm, I'm going to add, uh, can I add yeah. um, a Hope in 60, a number two part of follow-up? Yes. All right, ready? Oh, yeah, we With the Together Show, and in like two or three months, we built a big following. People have really liked our show because we open it up to all sorts of different people. And we've been getting 50,000 to, to close to 100,000 views of our show. It's on Facebook. That's our platform. Help because I want to keep bringing these messages to people and Facebook is doing this crackdown. Help, how do we transition or what do we do to keep the Together Show alive? Well, the first answer would be pay them, which is not fair because not everybody has that kind of money, right? You want it to be right. an organically um, discovered thing. I think, <sighs> man, it's just like, same thing with this podcast, man. We got to hope just to, you know, for a couple of hits and then that just takes off. But and we've had them. Facebook the Together Show's had them. And now we're like, oh. Well, maybe, you know what? Maybe, maybe you do an episode about the algorithm and then maybe that generates enough attention from all the other creators like yourself, right? And then maybe that in itself will then build up uh, a sort of rep for the together show because you're in it together with all the other creators and that could be a topic and then that gets shared around because then everybody wants to know how they can sort of break through this cryptic algorithm and generate a Q score high enough for them to emerge. So maybe that maybe that's your next step. Maybe it's just tackling it really head on. Boom. Um, you just nailed it. You said the word tackling. I'm going to go kidnap Mark Zuckerberg. Goodbye. I think that's exactly what I meant. All right. And the last one. Um. There's been a crazy amount of attention because Nancy Pelosi got her hair done in San Francisco. I think it is absurd. I just don't care. And then just today, uh, Kaylee McClemongamana, the press secretary for Trump, did her press briefing and repeated a five-second clip of Nancy Pelosi getting her hair done in the background next to her press briefing for the country about the state of the country. So there was Nancy Pelosi getting her hair done and Kaylee McClominy going and talking. And it was like, what? What world do we live in? Who cares about hair? I care about the country. Help. So this goes back to the Cuomo thing. If you are going to be someone that is saying, wear a mask, wear a mask, wear a mask, and you're going to be doing that, fucking do it. Don't open up when the rest of the state's hair salons are closed down. Don't make one open up specifically for you. 
I think that hypocrite, we have to expose hypocrisy. The way it was done by looping that video over. Here's the thing. The people on the, the Trump side, that are, nobody should be taking points or scoring points there because they've been breaking every goddamn rule of yeah. social uh, distance and just even decency um, this year. But I do not think that people should be exempt because they have an either an R or a D next to their name, and that's your team. If we are hating on people for not complying, I think we should also hate on people that tell everybody to comply and do not themselves. I don't like hypocrites. Hypocrites should be called out. Um, or so double okay standards. With, yeah, I do not like the double standards. So I just don't think it's, you shouldn't brush off when this, when we are trying to get past this situation, this, we just talked about people dying on set. We have like all these people that are taking all the precautions that they can. And here you have someone that's opening up a, freaking salon not wearing a mask the entire time while getting her hair done it's out of pure selfishness and it is out of pure double standards it is uncalled for she's using her office to abuse that power to put a hairdresser in a bad position i think that that it does deserve scorn it's not right so i think so there's just like two Cuomo pieces wearing a mask when walking she should be not she should be there's two pieces here there's there's a a piece of hope in that i think because you know the millions of listeners we have are going to hear not to use your life as a double standard. Don't do it. Bad idea. It just makes you not an honorable person with your voice. So that's true. She shouldn't have done it. Great. Her hair, I hope, looks great. I don't really care anymore beyond that. Double standards done. On the flip side, what the Trump campaign did by re-airing this video while the U.S. is getting briefed about whatever Kaylee McConaughey is doing is... A huge double standard there, too, and because they just say lies and whatever. So just no double standards. I agree. And it's like I think my, my reaction was summed up, you know, like that, that 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 Kanye West gif where he's like laughing and then he just turns to the camera with an angry look. That's kind of like my reaction. <laughs> the, you know, like, you know, the, you know, the Republicans are playing that Nancy Pelosi video and then it's like, ha ha. But motherfucker, who are you to talk? Um, yeah. So it's like, so don't don't think that excuses you. Um, so yeah, everybody, just get your shit together. Um, yeah, let's get our shit together, world. So yeah, I mean, we, I, that's actually ghost. That could be the new MAGA. Yeah, that's the new MAGA. <laughs> we just get came our up shit with together. it. Get our shit together, ghost. Um, so. Now we're just going to end the show with um, with our submission and hope fulfilled because and look with hope in 60 seconds, we might have gone over this time. But that just shows per the theme of the show that sometimes there's trickle down effects. And in this case, there was a trickle down effect where we needed a little more than 60 seconds. Yeah. So it happens. Yeah, It overflowed. The trickle. So do you want to take the yeah, it overflowed. Um, just like my toilet this morning. So do you want to take the submission fan mail? Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll read it. It's, it's from Nick in San Jose. And Nick asks, what do I do come November? No job, no hope. If he wins, no America. Give me life hope. Dear Lord, that's a lot of pressure, Nick. Um, should I, I guess I'll start? Um, yeah, I think we both can stab at this. So, I, Nick, I feel the exact same way as you. Uh, I don't know what my personally my life would be like uh, come November. 
I know work has been very tough in our industry um, based on everything we've talked about during this episode. So it's very hard to say what's going to happen next week, let alone in two months. The mantra that I've done for myself, Nick, is a day at a time. Um, I know it's cliche, but it's true. For us to try to plan what November is going to look like now, and I feel for you with, with no job, um, I hope you have unemployment so you can get through these next trying months. Um, and then and then we'll see what happens. I do have hope that there could be a change of the tide. And we don't even need to go there right now. Let's just try to get through the next week and the next two weeks and the next day and look at the few positives in your life, whatever they may be, because a lot of people are in the exact same boat. Most people. So... That's what I have to say. If if Trump wins, um, look, Canada is a beautiful country. Although they don't want us right now. Um, no. You can marry me, Nick. I have citizenship. Yeah, and I can be the uh, the chap- chaplain. Um, chaplain Rohit. But Nick, I also have some thoughts on this too. And I think it's it's this does feel hopeless for many people. But what I want to always sort of, you know, what I try to keep in perspective is He's one man. And while this one man pulls a lot of strings, this one man holds a lot of power. In the end, it's the person that directs the success of your life more than anybody else is, is, is you. And while the industry that you work in might be suffering, the cuts that might have, that have been made might have just been so unfair, which they are unfair. There is, I think there's things that you can do to make yourself more more powerful than this person in your own life um and and it's it's and i don't have because i don't know your situation specifically but for anybody out there that feels like this you know this could be the end it's we've had some bad presidents um and we've had some people that have done horrible horrible things but remember this election even if the presidency doesn't go blue i think a lot of local offices will and even then and if 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 you're coming from california we are probably the most protected state in the union when it comes to us being an independent, independent from the rest of the country because we have our own ecosystem from farming to tourism to everything, to entertainment. And California has everything. We're more self-sustaining than every any other state. So by being a resident of California, no matter which way the presidency runs, you know, people always jokingly refer to it and you know on the east coast they refer to california as the people's republic of california <laughs> um you know you're gonna be okay especially in california and if you're not in california guys there's so many things that you can do right now to start preparing for the inevitable which i think is still gonna happen um of a re-election and i think the first thing you can do is again go to vegas if you feel like hey he's gonna win bet five hundred dollars or two hundred dollars or a hundred dollars put that money on trump winning the election because if he loses, then you lo- you're out 100 bucks. whatever. If he wins, you at least have something that can at least, you know, <laughs> buy you a nice dinner, maybe get you a little getaway, um, and just <laughs> prepare for that. Remember, you are more powerful than any one person that doesn't know you can be over your life. They still have power when they're in a position of power, but you, you can take some of that yourself, and I hope that helps. And can I, can I add to that just in case... Uh, Nick or, or other listeners are thinking they, they won't don't want to go to Vegas to put the money down right now because they're 
saving money, what you can do for free to make a difference where you can say, I made a difference. And I'm going to be doing this. Rohit's going to be doing this. Um, A big group of our friends are going to be doing this is for free, which is what's beautiful about this country. You can go. There's all kinds of different groups and make phone calls and send letters to tell people to vote. You don't even need to tell them who to vote for. Just tell them to vote. Then you, during this time when you don't have a job, that's your job is getting people to vote. And you don't have to get people to vote in San Jose, which might be, I think, is a, um, is a more, is a liberal city. You can uh, get people, you can call people in another state, in uh, Florida or Iowa or Ohio, and just tell them vote. Because the more we are represented as individuals in that trickle-down effect of this country, the more the country will represent us as people. And it'll represent you, Nick. Yes, it will. And so, Nick, I think it's a great question. Thank you, because that, that is, it's a very, it, it's, it's a deep question that I think is on a lot of people's minds. And I'm, we're glad that you had the, 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 the ability to bring that to this show. I'm yeah, thanks for being vulnerable with that. Yes, um, it, it means a lot. So to end the show until, until next week, um, hope fulfilled. There were uh, two big things. One, our cutouts are in Dodger Stadium, and the Dodgers are back in Dodger Stadium. And from afar and watching a game, I thought I maybe saw us. Yes. So our fan cutouts are there. Um, we still haven't shared it on social media, but we will. And, and we've got about three more weeks of baseball for our cutouts just to, to have fun in that stadium. So, Oh, they're going to be there. And, uh, and then the other piece of hope fulfilled, I wrote it. I don't even know if you know this. But Disneyland, as of today, just announced that they're figuring out new ways to potentially open this year. And that just gave me hope because I know we were going to go to Disneyland. Disneyland is like the place where you go to escape all the misery in the world. And they are figuring out a way to reopen, which I just thought, oh, that feels like if Disneyland reopens, especially in California, it feels like that's hope because that's the happiest place on earth. My fingers are crossed. And maybe even if they do open and we can get our group to go, uh, but they have to keep the crowds limited, maybe shorter lines maybe and all that kind of stuff. So that yep. that's exciting. So I'm, I'm excited for, uh, you know, Disney COVID adventure. Um, yeah, and we'll get to do our trip. We were going to uh, do it in yep. March or April, yeah. I think. And uh, so we'll get to do our trip and it'll just be, and then we'll report back on that because that's hope. So I liked hearing that so news. let's keep our eyes peeled for that. But until then, Aaron, episode 24, it was a good one. It was, man. We went, we went deep. We showed how hopelessness can go really deep. It can be things that you wouldn't expect. And look, right now, try to find hope where you least expect it because that's the best we can and do right now. And when you provide other people hope, it trickles down because then they'll pass hope to other people. It's contagious. So until then, until next yep. week. Um, I'm Vohit for Rohit with the number four on all platforms. And I'm the Aaron Wolf on all platforms. A lot of stuff on the new TAR uh, release. So you'll be able to read about that. And uh, also the the Hopeless Show on social media. And we're going to put more stuff up. We have been actually. There's been a few more things going up. So until then, 
follow us, ask us questions. We love you all. Hope is dope. Keep hope alive. And until next week, we're out. Later. When the world seems cold and bleak and you just can't take it anymore, here it comes, that glimmer of hope, a light shines through the dark. It's a hopeless soul.